covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, wherever you're from, whatever time it is for you as we always start this out. Welcome to the latest edition of the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman in here hosting for this edition alongside my good buddy, pal, co-host, comrade in arms here on the show, Jim Mernier. Jim, how's things going? Playoffs are now on the horizon. Well, playoffs are just not on the horizon. You can literally see them. It's I only guess. when this podcast released, we're about 48 hours away to toe and hit a leather for both games in the semifinals. So, yeah, postseason's here. It's this time where you, uh, what they like to say in the game of the sport or sports, if you do all the talking, you better do all your walking because we're in the stage where you don't, if you run your mouth and you don't perform, you're going home with an L and someone else is raising that trophy. So we're in that season. So, yep, it's postseason time. Um, hopefully, these teams have a better postseason career than I did in high school. Um, my high school team never made the playoffs. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're here, postseason's here, national arena season. 2022 regular season is ended, um, but we want to give you some updates on the podcast this week and the upcoming weeks leading up to the NAL championship game so you guys know what we're doing on our end to give you premier NAL content as we get ready for just not the playoffs before the National Cha- National Arena League championship game in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we're going to let you know here, actually, before we jump into – recaps here here's the deal we 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 kind of debated on how we were going to do this week because if you don't realize it, there's two weeks between the semifinals coming up and also the championship and with four teams kind of preparing for the playoffs kind of wanted to not we feel like if we interviewed one person it would be focusing on one of four teams we'd rather focus on the two for the championship so we are going to not have a turf talk this week we're going to do one big episode so this is the big end of regular season shebang that we're going to be doing here. And then we're going to give you basically multiple episodes coming in the next two weeks. We're going to try and get both coaches for the championship teams on. We're going to play a piece from a championship team. We're going to debate on if we can try and get some exec from each one of these teams, possibly ownership, depending on how much we can get for Mm -hmm. whoever is in. So we're saving a lot for these two teams that make it to celebrate them and the lead up to the NAL championship come the weekend of August 13th. But for now, we're going to give you one good final regular season episode and then hit the ground running into the playoffs. So Jim, let's just do this while we're at it. Here's the deal. Let's turn the clock back to last weekend. All right. Well, okay. Look, (laughs) look, you, you obviously are shaking your head. I understand you were at that game. You, you, you saw that win. And I'll, I'll be Frank. I think some people, didn't suspect Mike faithful to be out there mm-hmm. because they were thinking, okay, well maybe the sharks can play for a, a seat above. Well, thing is it's uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you see, there is a narrative out there that the Jacksonville sharks folded the game, succeeded the game hmm. that they intentionally lost the game. They didn't. It's just, let's say, from who the people I talked to, they thought Faithful was going to come in, be Faithful like he was a couple years ago for the Sharks, and lead him to victory. 
you still have two solid quarterbacks in Josh Sharks. Um, and now they're the four seed. They're a very dangerous four seed. Um, they're going up to Albany. Hell of a road trip. It's difficult to get up there. But last week's game in Car- against Carolina, building was rocking. Over 8,000 fans were in attendance. Um, Jackson was struck first, kept a good lead. Carolina's veteran leadership, Malik Henry, played a great second half and led Carolina to a big win in the in the, in the Shark Tank to even the series between the two teams, um, which 2-2, which, again, uh, we've had a couple people in the league that we know that said that Carolina and Jacksonville kind of hurt themselves playing those extra two games, and technically they kind of did. Um, but overall, Carolina got the win. They got the revenge from a couple weeks ago. They got the two seed. They got, they got the home field this week against Columbus, and Jacksonville got to go on the road to Albany. But the narrative and this logic that you see that, especially from people in Columbus or people in Albany, is, is that Jacksonville intentionally did this so they can go to Albany. Really? You think they want to play Albany or host a, as a host a playoff game? Um, no, Carol, you got to give credit where credit's due. Carolina took care of business. They won the big games, and their stars shined in the second half. DJ Myers was a big force. Evans showed up. In- Ings had a couple big plays, um, especially Evans. He got a couple picks in the game, too. So, overall, the Sharks did exactly what I thought they were going to do. It's going to be an ugly game, which I predicted last week. And, unfortunately, my team lost. Does that mean anything? Not anymore. It's the playoffs. So the records don't mean anything now. Um, but also, I think Jacksonville won faithful to get some game time, game playing time and to get ready just in case if he needs to be in for emergency situation against Albany. But Arvell Nelson still looked pretty good too. So um, it's going to be an intriguing matchup. But, yeah, it's a loss. Um, no, they didn't intentionally fold the game to lose it. Uh, give credit to Caroline. They got a um, – they got the dub, and I got to meet Coach Rez for the first time. Uh, nice. We chatted up for a good 20, 20 minutes on the sideline, talking about some league stuff um, that I can't explain on here. Um, but overall, it was a good uh, <laughs> a good ordeal. And he, he told me literally, he's like, I told him, he's like, yeah, there's they're projecting almost near 9,000 fans tonight. He goes, yeah, hopefully we have them shut up by the end of the, <laughs> end of the game. And <laughs> and I laughed at him. We shook hands. He goes, hey, yeah, enjoy the game. And, and of course, we, I left him with my seat, so. Got to meet Reg, uh, Coach Rez. Got to meet um, Coach Fuller and DJ Myers walked by. I saw Bain was there, but by the time I saw Bain, it was um, I was too focused in the game and a couple beverages in, so I couldn't go to Bain's. It was that, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't be like that. But anyway, it was a fun weekend. Unfortunately, Sharks lost. Now they got to move on and take on a potent Albany Empire team, and it's Empire team that. Went toe-to-toe with San Antonio this week, and they have some spots where Jacksonville can capitalize. And remember, Shark fans, um, this is going to be the first time Albany has played us since week three. That week three Jacksonville Shark team is not this team. So I think we're going to have a very, not just a competitive game in Albany, I think we're going to have a very down-to-the-wire type of game in Albany. Um, So it's the playoffs, man. And... It doesn't matter if you're one seed or four seed, two three, two seed or three seed. You don't show up not winning. So I'm ready for that. For Sharks fans, get over the loss. You're in the playoffs. Where were we this time last year? That's right. We were home. So enjoy it. So, yeah, it was a good weekend. I had fun. Met some good players. Met a couple 
Carolina players, met a couple of Shark players. Um, but, yeah, um, caught a football-ish until a kid stole it from me. Then I realized the kid was, uh, like, five years old. And I was like, or 10 years old, 12 years old. I don't know. I don't know how to do ages. Uh, but the kid was younger than me. So I was like, yeah, yeah, you can have it. I don't care. And back of my man's like, you, you should have kept it. You need the white football. I was like, oh. I, can, I can message Curran or Siegfried or someone and I can get the ball. So, yeah. Memories to bring a young fan back. That's how I look at that. You know, oh. that's yeah, how I look not, at it. This is not the last touchdown pass for Tom Brady that went for $450,000 and ended up being <laughs> not his last touchdown pass. There, there you go. There you go. See, see what I'm saying? There you go. Yeah. Get to justify it a little bit. It's, like, little it's bit. good. It's good. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I saw that one, you know, when Mike, when they put Mike faithful out there and honestly, Mike faithful, as we've talked, you know, him being the backup, he really, he had a one, a one B in Jacksonville at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was still winnable for sharks fans. Uh, just things didn't swing their way. And as we've talked about, you know, the, the Cobras do have a, have a roster that's capable of winning any given Saturday, Sunday, Friday, wherever you name it, it just Monday. was going to come down to Malik Henry's performance, which he played a really solid game against mm-hmm. Jacksonville. And, you know, like I said, it comes down, you know, he's boomer bust. I think a lot of times it's either, he's going to be, give you a really good game or he's going to under, or to me underperform. And I think that one played a really solid game to lock them down for a home playoff game. That's what they needed. They could have gotten number, the number one seed if they had a little more help, which it was going to be a hard task for San Antonio either way. Good game. Good game. It turned out to be at the end funny mm-hmm. for how that played out, but Still, it uh, it it was it was a good contest for the Cobras. They definitely got a good win out in Jacksonville to even the series. Um, if you're a Sharks fan, you know yes, you are going to Albany, but I'm going to save and discuss why this matchup will be a lot different this time around. Going up to the Empire State, to the to of course upstate New York than it had been in previous matchups. We'll save it for that. Next one up, as you were hinting at, Jim, was the said empire. They hosted the Gunslingers. Now, I'll, I had the upset victory on this one. Uh, did not pan out, but there's reasons why. Things that I was assuming could have gone wrong and did go wrong in the second half of this contest. Because if we remember here, San Antonio went into halftime with the lead. They, they, were, they were well on their way to keeping pace with keeping the arms distance away from the empire. But the thing is with the empire, and especially since they have gotten out of that three game losing streak, they always find eventually in some part of that, of a half, whether it's the third quarter or the second or first that, you know, they always find a time before the end of the game where they're going to get one or two stops or turnover. And then they put the arms length on you come towards the end of this one. And really that third quarter against San Antonio was really the deciding factor. I thought that gave him just enough distance to pull this off because I'll be honest with you. Um, 49 seconds left on the clock, the empire get an onside kick back in their favor. I'm going, okay, this thing's done. You know, it's a two score game. There's no way this is a comeback. Now it's going to be a three score game in a second. And I was surprised they threw a pass at the six yard line. Now credit it's to Darius Prince. Prince had been hot all night, but it got picked off. And when the rules are in the one minute timing that you need to just get positive yardage, my first thought was, gee, you have Trayvon shorts in the backfield. Why aren't you? Gee, you have Sam Castronova. Why aren't you? I was kind of surprised to see a pass play there. And really that game with 22 seconds left on the clock after they got, after San Antonio drove down and was only down six. I was surprised it got that close. 
Mm-hmm. Because I that was the that's the only takeaway I have from this game besides wow, this was a really offensively high high paced scoring game, and that the Empire would need to adjust in the second half. That end of the contest, I was like, how did you make it that close? This almost went the opposite direction. Like Cobra's fans probably were sitting at home going, oh my God, we might, we might get it back. Didn't come out that way. But I mean, luck, luckily that defense held its own in the end, got an interception, flipped it back for the, to seal the deal. But I was just kind of surprised at the play call there. I, I'm asking on your opinion on that. Cause that this could have been something completely different at the end of the night. Um, sometimes you fight fire with fire. And sometimes fire will burn you if you play too much. And it almost did in Albany. Albany had a two-score lead in that final 45 to 55 seconds in that game. And literally a quick touchdown followed by an onside kick, interception, and got the ball. And they drove all the way down to – I want to say the 25 or the 30 yard line of, or 25 or the 20 yard line of Albany. And okay, you get Dwayne Hollis with a big wade, a uh, big uh, interception. They, Albany almost choked this game away. They almost, hey, we got the one seat. No, no, we don't. Last 22 seconds, you can have it. That um, was that close. It was A, who called that play? And B, you almost cost everything. That's the, Yes, San Antonio played toe-to-toe with Albany. San Antonio, again, I think was the best team in the second half of the season. I think they just ran out of the games. If they were a team in the playoffs, they are very well one of the teams that can win it all. And honestly, how it was trending, they were going to win it all. I think they were the best team. Um, of course, you're going to have some San Antonio fans at talk about the quarterback sack um, in this third quarter that was the momentum killer or change of momentum. Um, and Albany fans said one thing, San Antonio fans say some things, um, from a person that has an unbiased opinion about these two school teams, um, because Jacksonville was already lost. I was like, I, I just want to see a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, there should have been laundry on the field. Uh, that was kind of planning the quarterback. Um, if you're going to throw that flag, uh, you're going to throw that flag with Bain and you're going to throw that flag with Arvell Nelson. You have to throw that flag for Robert Kent. Um, I don't know how uh, we can't select uh, quarterbacks are defenseless and big homeboy, you know, one on top can't, can't, you know, it wasn't no vicious. It was just, mm-hmm. a, a, it was a football hit, but the flag was held there while in other games, the flag was flying for lesser contents than that this past weekend. Um, but overall, San Antonio never quit. Um, they went toe-to-toe with Albany. They ran out of time. For Albany, started off slow and sluggish. Like, they've done all basically the second half of the season. They've been like that all season, or the second half of the season. They have to fix that. That is something that you got to keep an eye on. If they start off like that against Jacksonville, Jacksonville has the offense to pull away from Albany, and Jacksonville has the defense to hold on. Um that's one thing about Jacksonville this year. It's just very unique. Is sorry about the loud noise. We got freaking country people out here drinking stuff. I'm sorry, they're gonna try to hear a lot of country music and rap and well, I don't know what they're listening to. But anyways, um, <laughs> broke off distraction. But yeah, I think for Albany's sake, they gotta get off the fast start. They can't start off sluggish as they did against San Antonio, as they did against Orlando. 
because Jacksonville has the offense and has the weapons where they can pull ahead of you quick and pretty much settle down. Uh, this is a, this is a crucial matchup and coming to playoffs. But for San Antonio, for the city of San Antonio, for the fans of San Antonio, um, you guys have a good organization. You guys are in good hands with John Wayne. I can't wait for 23, 2023 for the San Antonio Gunslingers. I think they just ran out of games. I've talked to Coach Rez. I've talked to Josh Blair. I've talked to uh, – who's the other guy I talked to? Oh, sorry, another Jacks guy, um, ownership group. I've talked to a couple people around the league, and they all have the same quote about San Antonio. They are this year's version of the 2017 Maine Mammoths. Hmm. They ran yes. out of time. Maine Mammoths in 2017 were the hottest teams in – entering uh trying to enter the playoffs i think they won five of the last six games and they missed the playoffs by a game um san antonio just ran out of time and for san antonio fans keep the hat on um you know keep that chin up you guys deserve you guys have quality players and i guarantee you're gonna have a couple guys on your on your team that are gonna come away with season awards um not just for this podcast but league-wide um, oh yeah i really oh, yeah. i think that uh san antonio really pressing the ownership group if they had like the best ownership group of the year, it goes to the John Wayne because they came in and saved the day, and they definitely won the award. Um, but still, San Antonio, good job, good, exciting season. But for for Albany, uh, say uh, playoffs, you guys are kind of spoiled with the number one seed up there. I think that's a tradition up in Albany. Um, but yeah, I think Albany's be ready. Uh, for me, honest opinion, this game against San Antonio, um, key turnovers. You could have had that, you know, the penalty that should have been thrown, but. It didn't alter the game. San Antonio still came back, fought back. It was a good game, and it, in my opinion, was the best game of the weekend out of the three games that were played. And for San Antonio, congratulations on a good season. Can't wait for 2023. And for Albany, it's postseason time. So last week is just a distant uh, memory. Uh, you got to get ready for uh, the Jackson Sharks to come into town. So, yeah, it's it was a good weekend uh, in Albany. But what are you going to – it's almost I can say that like my friend said this about the Albany Empire. The Albany Empire are like taxes. You're gonna to have to pay them, and you can't avoid them because you eventually gonna to have to pay them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the Albany Empire uh, this oh, year, man. especially the Empire since they've been an arena football organization from the AFL to the current NAL. So yeah, I mean, well, sure enough, like I said, the Empire got it done. Um, they it was their destiny to host throughout the playoffs or as long as they're in. And sure enough, that's where they get to land San Antonio. You know, they go out, it's not on the ideal note, but they at least get to end the season knowing that it's a pretty high note overall organizationally mm-hmm. that they're going to be going down and out towards next season. I mean, we're already talking there. They're already setting up pre-registration for 2023 right. tickets. So great. How start, you, do it. you know, getting things right in on the way, you know, at least getting people that are saying, Hey, I'm interested. So mm-hmm. great things coming in. Hey, that city, they got an XFL team coming in. Football's coming in a plenty right now in, yeah. in that area of the country. Great for that city. They got to be feeling awesome now. I have one more thing to add on San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, for San Antonio fans, approach this as like your local college football team in Texas, whoever it is, AM, Houston, Texas, whatever, that they didn't make the college football playoff, but they made it to a, a, a bowl game. And they won their bowl game. You know that momentum that you have from that bowl game in the offseason that hypothetically doesn't continue over? That's what I get for the San Antonio. Um, they they won their bowl. Even though they lost the game, they won that they won the bowl game, basically. Um, they have momentum going into the second uh, to next season. And that's what you need in the rainy game. And San Antonio, I'm not saying it's a, a, a successful 
uh, city yet for uh, for area football, but they sure did dang damn well showed it the last three home games. So I'm looking forward to the 2023 season and the Gunslingers. Um, hopefully with another team in the league, which we announced last week, which would be the uh, Fayetteville Mustangs. Am I remember? Yes, yes, that is correct. So yeah. team number seven. Hopefully, and yeah. you know rumbling that there should be more so we'll hold off we can't say anything beyond that so you know we'll see how that goes you know hopefully there will be expansion oh <gasps> i know i know i know oh. i know i know i know we have breaking news what what the frisco fires what they're going to the sec yep they're going to the sec <laughs> <laughs> the, the the final game on this past weekend's docket we had the orlando predators traveling to Columbus Lions and folks, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be frank. This is a, it was a, it was a bloodbath. And, and the thing is they did it without Mason Espinosa, which we should mention. Mason did talk to us last week when we were doing our interview after it, that he was not going to be there. We couldn't say mm-hmm. it officially. Um, so this was happening, but Tommy Neely, Daniel Smith, they, they did whatever they wanted. I, they, I mean, Orlando, you know, they've had, they have injuries abound. They had player, they've had some, they had players that couldn't make, that couldn't make it. And uh, I, I, I feel bad even saying that it just feels like talk about a sour note for an organization to end on for a season, 71 to 14 loss. Things do not go your way. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure. There's great. I mean, look, the fan base has been responding in the best way possible. I mean, that, that Preds fan base is there. Um, my thing is for next year, if you're an organization, if you're an organization, you know, especially if you're Orlando, I, I, I think if you're them, Jeff Higgins, you got to come back next year and bring a product that hopefully will mm-hmm. be able to perform higher in a higher level next season, or at least be able to finish with better results. Cause that is uh, not the way to end your year. You know, that's the final impression of your season. Uh, be damned. That was, uh, unfortunately ugly. Nothing was going right for either QB that was in for the Preds, you know, whether it was Matt Parsons or Jabari Dun- Durnham, it both of them threw multiple interceptions on the night. Um, Preds off Preds defense didn't have any solutions to whatever Columbus was throwing their way. Um, and Columbus really, they were playing just to possibly have a home playoff game that did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they do get the three seed. They end on what has been a roller coaster year that now they're going to have the best possible unit going into the playoffs with Mason playing for sure. The playoffs, you just couldn't, couldn't do this week. So, um, yeah, I, I hate to talk about a sour note to end for the Preds, but it, this is not how you want to end a year for an organization. They have a lot. They need to, I think, kind of turn to themselves and uh, discuss on a personnel level going into uh, 2023. Uh, one thing about the Orlando Predators this year, um, one word that I can describe them in, inconsistent. Um, they'll play, so. they'll play a quarter, they'll play a quarter where they're like unbeatable. Then they'll respond with that quarter with another performance of like, do you even play this game? Um, very inconsistent with the team. Of course, injuries happen. Uh, players sign to go to different teams. Um, uh, there was a lot of flux in Orlando. I just felt like when Orlando had that losing streak in the middle of the season, then followed that up with bye week, then you get your arch rival Sharks, um, then the Sharks took care of them all three games. That really ended their fight in them a little bit. Um, this game was just – you can tell that Orlando checked out. They were – the season was over. Um, and 
Columbus knew they're they're going to playoffs and they had something to fight for and scored 60 more points almost. I think they were getting close to an NAL record between a point differential in the game. I don't know exactly, but they were getting close. Um, but for, for Columbus, they were throwing anybody out there and everyone was doing something. Uh, when you can, you can tell your team is fully committed and playing well when you watch that game and Columbus wasn't killing himself with penalties, no turnovers, and both quarterbacks looked like they were five-year veterans starters for the Columbus uh, Lions. Um, yes, Mason wasn't there, but they didn't need him, apparently. Uh, but Mason no, will I mean, be back. I mean, Dan, Daniel Smith's still a damn good QB. Like that's, oh, yeah. that, that's the one thing you can tell. I mean, they have options. It's just – He was he was a good QB in the other league, and mm-hmm. they got rid of him. Um, but he fits the Gibson offense very well. And he uh, he came in halfway through the year, and it's been a different Columbus team. We knew Columbus had a dang good defense. And their offense was very inconsistent, very sluggish, couldn't get out of their own way sometimes. He came in, and he and he turned the organization around and got them to a three-seat. So they technically have a 25% chance of hosting the NAL championship game if things fall as they may in the Albany. And they take care of business, but yeah, it's a it's a hard game. And the reason why we did it as the last game because it's very hard to talk about blowouts. This is like, I think this is like the worst blowout game of the season, honestly. To think of it, I know Jacksonville beat Carolina by thirty, but this was seventy-two to fourteen. I mean, I'm going to like reference that. it, but I'm pretty sure without having to go too deep into the schedule. And yeah, I'm looking it, right it's, now, it's. It, it, I'm pretty certain it is. It was an ugly loss by Orlando. Yeah. And it, it was, this is the largest deficit of the season between for a victory versus a defeated opponent. So, and, yeah. but this is this final game for Orlando was the complete season into one game. It was, it, there's a saying sometimes where your last game will always define how the season went. And that's what the Columbus, uh, Orlando and Columbus matchup was. Orlando basically showed what they played all season long. And they have talented guys. They have great guys there. Like Lonnie Outlaw is one of my favorite interviews we ever did. Um, we also had a Jeff Higgins, great interview as well. It Orlando and, of course, we had uh, Darren Clark Jr. too. So we had a, they had a good squad. And the thing about the NAL is that there's only six teams and all these teams are loaded and it's, some you're going to have teams that are going to have losing seasons because of how often they play each other. Um, but after they got that win against Columbus earlier in the, earlier in the year, they haven't been the same. They went on a lengthy losing streak the end of the year. And technically they were still eligible to make the playoffs two weeks ago, but everything like they were back up against the wall and Albany did the same thing as Columbus did, took care of business. Um, but for Orlando, um, for the fans, love the show out, love the support. You guys, I think, won the most fan attendance in the game with like eight thousand four hundred fans in Amway. That's incredible, oh, especially yeah. for a team this Orlando Predators team. Imagine if the Orlando Predators were like the '96 Orlando Predators or the '99 Orlando Predators when they're winning Arena Bowl titles. Were at that time, I think it was like Amway Center, not Arena. Had twenty some thousand fans in it. Um, I think Orlando has something there. Uh, Coach Higgins needs to come back. They need to, I think, find themselves a legit QB to start. Um, 
I'm not saying Cato wasn't legit or Parsons wasn't legit. Like, go after somebody like a Jonathan Bain or go after a, a Ar- Arvell Nelson or Mike Faithful. Get that's uh, get your franchise quarterback and build around them. Um, they were missing that last year, this year, because uh, you had too many weapons on that team that didn't get the ball enough, like out- Outlaw and Beavers and um, Justin Jeff. Um, was it just um, not Justin Jeffries? Um, oh. I know uh, Clarence uh, Williams. Fuentes. Brandon Fuentes. Fuentes. Fuentes, of course, being out, that didn't help defensively a lot. Although, you know, between between Josh Jenkins and company, they, there were some stalwarts on defense in terms of statistics. Um, I know Freddie Booth Lloyd, his injury later in the season, you know, took away some production. Clarence from Williams. There's yeah, it. Like I said, Clarence yeah. Williams on offense. Now that was someone yeah. that they signed off, they signed er, somewhat mid early mid season, mm-hmm. and he took off. That was a big boost for the Preds. Uh, if he doesn't pursue a bigger, uh, better opportunity in the off season, I would love to see him back, get someone like that on that squad. Uh, I know Lonnie, you know, he's talked, he's said, you know, that he would be interested in being back. At least it sounds like publicly he has on Facebook. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get him back, get guys like hopefully Larry Beavers, who has a lot of energy on him. It's too bad with his own uh, broken arm issue that he had for the end his year. And we wish him the best with that recovery. Um, but man, they got some things to address. Um, that's for sure. Um, one thing they'll have to address is a bit with personnel. I know, uh, uh, and this isn't bad or anything. K- Casey Todd, who works with the Preds, he is on to greener pastures. Um, friend of the show, by the way, we wish him the best with his future endeavors. Um, I know that the Orlando will be looking to fill that position as well this offseason, too. Um, and really, I mean, he did a lot of great, he did a lot of solid work for the Preds, mm-hmm. getting them to where they are promoting and really getting the fan base back to this level we saw to cap off the year. So there's a lot of good stuff in Orlando. They just need to go back to the drawing board on the personnel department. I think Jeff Higgins knows that. Um, and they just got to come back with, hopefully they can get a better product on the field for 2023 because the fans are here now. So now you want to make sure you can, you know, bring something that they can consistently week in week out cheer for, you know, that's the big thing for next year. So, and I, I, this is not rumors or speculations, but this is just a, me personally as a fan of the game. I, Orlando needs to find a way to get into the USC arena and on USC's campus. Um, I, I saw a report slash rumor of how much they pay to be in Amway. Mm. Ouch. Okay. Um, but this is not me telling the ownership what to do. I'm just saying, nice facility there in Orlando that's on the US UCF campus. Get the student crowd there. Maybe right. get some $2 beer specials on these games. And right, right in downtown, will, too. They, you know, Right. Yeah. The, they will come. <laughs> you get that $2 <laughs> beer specials, they will come. Um, but, yeah, again, for the Orlando Predator fans, um, damn, uh, good support, solid support. And also, like San Antonio, they get an XFL team back there too. So, uh, exactly, yes. Just That's very weird. funny how that is weird. Two two NAL teams are going to have a XFL right in their backyard, just yeah. starting earlier in the year. That's one thing that's nice with arena. At least mm-hmm. with this league, we get a little bit. They get a little bit of time to let the XFL season come to a conclusion or close to an end, and then we kick off. So, correct. That's nice. Based on what I saw, I think we kick off at least two weeks after the XFL championship game. No, three weeks after XFL championship game. 
the the USFL kicks off a week before us next year. So okay. So oh, when people say, "Oh, football season's over," don't know. No, <laughs> we're gonna have one week without football, and that would be no. All twenty twenty two is twenty twenty three. There's no weeks off. Ah, uh, take take it back. Take it back. The week before the Super Bowl, but no, the Pro Bowl is that week too. So no, well, there's no. really, honestly, it's really the, I, yeah, shoot, twenty four seven football is here, ladies and gentlemen. Three sixty five, we got football, mm-hmm. arena or year. outdoor. You will find something that you like. Yeah, because you'll area. have NFL mm-hmm. will end in February what twelfth, sixth, or something like that. No, no, February thirteenth is XFL, so they'll. It'll be like February 6th is the Super Bowl. XFL starts on the 23rd. USFL starts a week before the NAL. IFL starts halfway through the XFL season. Um, both NAL and IFL will end August 12th and August 14th time frame. NFL preseason starts that weekend too. So so when you say, oh, there's no football, there's football everywhere. Outdoor, oh, yeah. oh, indoor. Yeah. Uh, I know this might be copyright, but for the love of football. So, <laughs> there's so much i, I love yeah. this game yeah, there, there's so much indoor out indoor outdoor review name it and i'm look hey if you want to tune in the nal game we recommend it because yeah. we're going to promote it for you guys here because it's a damn good version of football just saying you know when closest thing that you can have to traditional arena that you get in this country in this country and mm-hmm. trust me it's going to keep getting that way as we go down the line i guarantee it um and we get to get cap it off a great season with even more high quality football. Now that we got the playoff teams, what are you, what are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? It's like, we have high quality football. I guarantee it. I was like, wow. Did he just pull off a Mike Lindell's? Like I got my pillow. <laughs> guarantee it. No, I was thinking men's warehouse. You're going to like the way you watch it. You're going to like the way you watch. I guarantee it. <laughs> You're going to like the way we that's play. Just, I guarantee that's just it. Me going like, what? what squirrel? Yeah, that's my bad. That just got me going. Like, did he just do the freaking my pillow guy? Whatever oh, his name is. Oh, you're killing me, man. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Well, nonetheless, my my co-host, my co-host's laughing aside, and hey, look, it's it is kind of funny. I'll admit, I'll admit, because Michael Lindell is kind of funny to me. Um, you can you can guarantee yourself you're going to be getting some good quality football this coming week. And honestly, we need to look at the seedings here. We, we talked about it with the recap of the games um, seating set. Your two home games are pretty much the two guys. We were expecting that. I think at the beginning of the year, we were expecting we're going to possibly be hosting the home games. If not mm-hmm. number one seed overall as Albany will be number one, they'll get home field advantage as long as they win this week, they'll host the championship Carolina is their home field this week. They would need Albany to lose and them to win to get home field advantage in Greensboro at the Greensboro Coliseum. Albany would be playing all their games at the MVP arena if they went out. As for the three seed, you got Columbus. They would need a little bit of magic. They would need Jacksonville to win, and then they would have to up, they would have to take an upset possibly at, and Greensboro to get a hosting gig at the Columbus Civic Center. Jacksonville, that was your final home game last week. There is no way you're going to be able to host a game. You are the road warrior for this year's NAL playoffs. So playoffs are all set, Jim. Let's mm-hmm. take a look at these for the semifinals. We're going to be determining basically who we think 
is going to be in this year's 2022 NAL championship game. We're going to head on up to upstate New York at the MVP arena where we get a new mat, another matchup with the empire hosting the sharks. Now I had hinted when we talked about the sharks, why this is different this time. Remember folks, Arvel Nelson has not played the empire this season whatsoever. This is the first matchup that the sharks will have where they have played arguably one of the best quarterbacks though this year in the NAL coupled with the offensive structure that the sharks bring to the MVP arena it is a different ball game with this one. Meanwhile, the empire, well, they're about the same as you last saw them against the sharks. Uh, you know, Sam Castronova, he's balling Darius Prince. He's balling. They have Trayvon shorts this time, of course, in the backfield, he's been doing pretty good at the, at the running game there. And of course, Dwayne Hollis playing Ironman quality football on both sides. But nonetheless, these are two explosive offenses as we've seen. Honestly, Albany stepping into another week back to back here where they're going to have another offense you got to keep pace with once again. Should make for a lot of fireworks, as I said last week in San Antonio. I say the same thing with this matchup one way or another. How do you look at this one, Jim? It's hard for me to look at this one as a fan of the Jacksonville Sharks. Deep down inside, I want to say that I've always wanted Albany this whole time. And it would be bittersweet to go up to Albany and knock off the Empire and dethrone the champions. Um, but I've seen this Shark team outplay teams and lose. I've seen this Shark team play like crap and win. Um, one thing I noticed about this season, especially the second half of the season, is that both games that Jacksonville lost in the second half of the season, they got beat. On the way you how you beat Jacksonville, you can't. You have to outscore them. You're not going to stop them. They're going to score. Both San Antonio and uh, Carolina found a way to do that in the second half. The mentality in Albany has to be this: Naquan did not play last week in Jacksonville. He was out, and you can tell that the offense missed him, especially with Devin Wilson being right. out too. Naquan is back this week. Arvell Nelson may most likely will start. When these two teams faced off the first uh, in Jacksonville early in the year, it came down to a mix, a miss field goal, aka no kicking balls. Um, earlier, we play earlier in the season up in Albany. They beat Jacksonville pretty handily with a very inconsistent Malik Henry and a team trying to find themselves. As we could tell, Jacksonville over the last couple of weeks, or since Arvell Nelson's been there, has been a mo more potent offense. Um, since he's been arrived, and I don't care what people say, but oh, we we reason why we lost is because we want to play. Deep down inside, as a fan, I will love Arvell Nelson to play and start, but also as a fan, I will love to see a storyline where Mike Faithful returns back to Albany and steal the crown that was so dear to the Albany Empire. It'd be a great storyline. Be something like. Like freaking was it Game of Thrones? We are the North, and just like ah, Iceman, this whatever. Um, but me being a Shark fan, I can see that storyline. I can see me talking trash for two freaking weeks about it. Um, but as a person who's followed the Sharks this season, I cannot get behind them doing that. They're gonna find a way to lose a game, or in this case for Auburn, they're gonna find a way to get a key turnover, a key penalty that's gonna change the narrative of the game. They're gonna win. Albany has a better roster. They have a better team. But the same goes in the playoffs. 
doesn't matter you're nine and oh, 16 and oh, or the very noticeable 18 and one Patriots. Um, playoffs are the playoffs. Yes, they are. Breakers don't mean anything. There's been two instances in the National Arena League that the four seed has knocked off the one seed. That's the Columbus Lions. They did it. No one else. They knocked off the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks and they knocked off the Massachusetts Pirates. Can this be the fourth seed? Well, as much as I talk trash about the Albany Empire, as much as I love the Jackson Sharks, I'm going to have to say that the NEL championship game will be hosted. Can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to have to. I don't. I have no trust in trust in them. But NEL championship game is going to be hosted in another city. Jacksonville Sharks go into Albany, pull off the upset. Mm. Why? I don't know why. I said <laughs> three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Apparently, I'm bullet, bulletin board material in Albany, so I'm going to continue to be the bulletin board material. She, Albany should win this game. They have no business losing this game. No business. So, Castronova, Darius Prince, Coach Manos, we know you listen to the show, and we love the comments you give us. We must respect. Uses his bulletin board material. Jacksonville goes in there, knocks you guys off, and becomes the third fourth seed to advance into the NAL championship game. Will I be wrong? Eh, most likely I will be wrong. But prove me wrong. It's the playoffs. And plus, I love chaos. That's what I do. That's me. I've been like that all year. You think I'm going to change? Man, I'm the person who said the Jacksonville Sharks or the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to beat the L.A. Rams. Why? Because if I would have won that, I would have won like 600 bucks in Vegas. Did I win anything? Nope. Absolutely nothing. Lost five. I lost 13 bucks on the button. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love chaos. I love the underdog story. Do I think the Sharks won a championship? No. I just won this. I want chaos. <laughs> Oh man, you're killing me. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to go your route. I am going to go with Albany. Um, look, I'll, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it politely here, or this is how I'm going to put it at least. Um, truth is I think defensively the empire are going to be able to snag away a possession or two in this one. Which I think that, 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 that's really been there. That's really what has been, I think flipping this thing around besides the fact that Damon Ware has done a great job adjusting this offense out of their three game losing streak to give Sam Castronova as comfortable and experienced in the pocket and to distribute the ball as much as possible. Now Darius had a massive game against San Antonio, but that hasn't been the norm as of late to me. He's gotten numbers, but they've been able to distribute Aaron Washa, you know, Daquan, Daquan Wade has been getting Dwayne Hollis, Mm -hmm. who won another iron man of the week, by the way, you know, dude has been playing at a high level when needed. So I think the weapons, clearly they have that side, you know, they're able to keep up with Jacksonville. Yes. With Nyquan Murray back love Rob Jones, that's going to be a tough task for that secondary for the empire thing is though, I think eventually you're going to get something that slows them down. They're going to be able to either get back to Arvell and kind of force some pressure to cause a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I know that's me jinx it. Cause you always hate when I do that with Arvell Nelson, but I mean, the what's it going to be the, this time? The proofs of the tape. It always comes up. It's one a game. You're guaranteed at least one. What's it going to be this time? Uh, this time, I think he's going to throw a cross field mm-hmm. and it's going to be Marvin Ross picking that bad boy off. Huh. That's how I look at it. If that happens, I'm calling you when it happens. Ask you for your lotto numbers. 
<laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> we have Mega Millions coming up. Why not? I might as well get I might as well get that while I'm at it, if that's the case. Uh, but seriously, I I do think that it's going to be similar situation to San Antonio. The game flow, you're going to have it. I think the first half will be real close. Mm-hmm. It's going to go into halftime. Someone's going to get the have to worry about the possession battle. But I think you're going to see at least one four and out, if not a pick, that throws this in Albany's favor. I agree. And, and that's just me. Like The Empire have flipped the script on how it was in their three-game winning streak. And as I've as we've said on this show, Give them credit enough, you know. That's what a good team does. They adjust yeah. on the fly. They make good changes. I think the MVP arena is going to be hosting its second straight championship in the NAL. Mm-hmm. Uh, question is now, Jim. Yeah. If that is the case, now you pick the Sharks, so that could be different. But wherever we go, my thing is, do you? I mean, so here's your scenario because if, I'm going to say you're picking the Sharks to win. So here's the deal. You have Carolina hosting the Columbus Lions. That means mm-hmm. your championship scenario the winner of this one gets to host the nal championship columbus and columbus and carolina have had kind of back and forth all year um last matchup tommy grady was starting got knocked out after two injuries malik henry comes in almost helps finish off a massive comeback except mason espinosa is here now um and it's kind of been these two have had their have had their rosters uh flipped around a little bit over this at least over the back quarter of the season mm-hmm. um it'll be mason espinosa against malik henry two talented rosters two rosters that at the beginning of the year we said were built completely to me to us a little bit different than each other as we as if for those that have been following we put we tab gibson's roster as more traditional iron man roster one that's focused on consistent rotation one's focused on overall iron man talent mm-hmm. the other one although i'll say that they've made a case that it's not that anymore we focused as originally claiming as more about it's about high quality talent that you can rotate in and out and you can kind of get subbed in. I would say that that stigma has changed a bit for the Cobras, but two high quality rosters last game came down to the wire. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, this is going to go to 27 straight overtimes and both teams are just going to give up and quit and draw and the Joshua <laughs> Sharks win the NL okay. championship. <laughs> Completely unrealistic. Such a, uh, such a quick wrap because there's so much you just made me. You have to make me process in how you yeah. just said that. Uh, uh, well, how I think this game is, this is going to be the fourth matchup between these two teams. Uh, Columbus, uh, Caroline got one of them win on them. And no, no, take it back. They didn't play three. Uh, yeah, they got one win on them. Um, I look at this game and... This is the fourth matchup between the two. You can tell Carolina how they rebound last week. They they fixed a couple of their mistakes. The veteran guys that they signed on the roster get more into the scheme of things. Uh, Mason's coming back again after having his week off with uh, some of his uh, career um, op- um, obligations. Yep. But this is going to be that type of game where like we mentioned up in Albany, it's going to come down to a turnover or a key penalty in the second half that's going to determine this game. This game in Carolina screams to me either one team is going to pull away early and the other team's going to catch up and we're going to have a dogfight in the fourth quarter or we're going to have a team pull ahead early and keep that lead ahead. Um, that's how this two, this matchup between these two teams have been all year. One team will get up by 30 points, the other team will come back. Uh, or the one team got up by 30 points and just kept that team down. Um, but Kara, like for me, it's hard for me to pick against Gibson. 
um, because of his recent success against the Carolina Cobras, how the, the mentality is. And it's hard for me to pick against Mason Espinoza. Um, but for the Carolina Cobras, um, that or that team is loaded. They have the talent. Malik Henry has played incredibly well over the last couple of uh, games. Um, they're at home. Home field advantage is crucial in the game. Of um, in the game, so my professional pick in this game, I have to take the Carolina Cobras in this one. But for a person that have lived up to my reputation all season long, um, I love chaos. And I want chaos, so why the hell not in my chaos pick? The Columbus Lions win the season series again, and they're hosting the championship game where then they will give Jacqueline Sharks the championship. I'm just trying to make a playoff where the Sharks win the championship. Yeah, I, I can but, tell. Uh, <laughs> um, but overall, I like I like Carolina in this one. I think they what they showed when I seen them live and how Res made the adjustments last week. Uh, Malik Henry looks very poised in the pocket. Um, Hillis looked good. DJ Myers looks healthy now. It looked like he was playing with, with a bum leg a couple of games. I don't know if that's just him just not going 100%. Um, but still, Ings, Evans, they, they're full of strength again. Uh, they have a lot of weapons there. So, again, the championship game should be Albany versus Carolina in Albany. That should be the championship game. Um, but, again, my fan pick is Jacksonville and Columbus. Um, but all seriousness, it's it's Albany taking on Carolina for the championship, in my opinion. And this game here in Columbus, I think uh, – excuse me, in Carolina, I think the Carolina Cobras win this game by two scores. I think they actually will pull away over uh, Columbus this time around. It's mm-hmm. just these two teams are – out of the four teams in the playoffs, Columbus and Carolina are very even. And then again, I was like Coach Rez, even well, me and him talked about it. it. He said it's very hard to plan against all these teams because it's you're, you're basically playing yourselves um, because how 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 competitive this league is. So, well, I'd be surprised if it's Jacksonville and Columbus. No, I'd be surprised if it's Jacksonville and Carolina. No, or Albany versus Columbus and Albany versus Carolina. No, I think it's going to be a unique postseason and. Again, me, the glorious one, the one who apparently doesn't. Um, I, I'm still carrying that. Um, the person knows who who called me that. Um, I love chaos. I always like chaos. I love – It's here's what – honestly, you know how March Madness is, ladies and gentlemen, how you make your bracket and 99% of people go, oh, my bracket's busted? Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm usually the person that intentionally picks more, like crazy upsets. And one year I'll get that one up since I picked it was well, because I do it every single year. So, because I love chaos. I love true understock stories. And one thing about arena football, if you look in the past of arena football, some of the greatest champions in arena football history were not one seeds. We're not two seeds. They were the six seed. They were the 12 seed. Or they were a four seed team from the Washington area that went to Albany and took care of business then raised a trophy later and that was led by Arvell Nelson. So it's a lot of crazy things about the playoffs. And arena football's arena football playoffs are not like outdoor football. Where in outdoor football you can have a backboard and go, you know what? Our defense will keep us in the game. We can find ourselves. Can't do that in arena. Your defense is having a bad game. You're gonna get your doors busted open. And I just seen these four teams in this year's postseason, you're not going to see blowouts. You're going to see one possession to two possession games at the end. And whoever reaches the championship, they survive the gauntlet that was the NEL 
season with every, how every team was playing this year. Um, for, for for me, of course, I said Jacksonville. That's because I'm a fan, but 99%. But also get mad at me. I know you got pissed. I guarantee you already changed the channel. I'm actually picking Albany and Carolina, but my fan, I got to stay true to my fans. Got to stay true to the people in the 8,222 that showed up last week, Sharks. But I got to be happy because I'm about to be depressed doing our other podcast here a couple of weeks uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm going to have 18 to 20 weeks of going, can we even get the first down? Seriously. Playoffs, we get eliminated when the NFL draft started. That's how bad the Jaguars are. <laughs> Right, right. For the first pick in the NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. That's how bad we are here, Jackson. So, dang it, let me be happy about my damn shark fan. Okay. Oh, sure, sure. I know, I know. Hey, anything can happen. Look, arena, it really just comes down to it's. I mean, anything like in football, of course, it's mm-hmm. it comes down to one good, one good put together game. You know, any actually, team could be anybody. You know, actually, do a quick. I, I don't think that we can do a quick research. I think the Albany Firebirds. I think were a nine seed. Or a seven seed when they were in Indiana, or no, they were in Albany and they won the title. I think they were one of the lowest seeds to ever win the, the Arena Bowl. Well, I'm going to find that out as I give you my thoughts on this one. Look, I'm going to be honest. Um, pretty, I mean, depending on, like I said, if Malik Henry's playing like he has the last two weeks when he is mm-hmm. given time, uh, anything can be given for Carolina. What I'm going to go on though is I actually am going to take Columbus. And here's why I got the more veteran quarterback on my side you and I got a rematch. The, well, not only a rematch, but I think you also have a better defense in Columbus this year mm-hmm. than last year. And I actually want to see that mm-hmm. get a rematch in particular. Plus this version of the um, empire haven't played Mason this season. So mm-hmm. I kind of want to see that. I really do. Um, and that's and I think that Carolina, this is very winnable for them, of course, as well. Don't take anything like that for granted. Um, but I would say that, you know, I do th- if I'm going to put any eggs in a basket on the corner, I'm going to choose. Mm-hmm. I probably would choose the veteran MVP QB that came back and has looked pretty comfortable. That's my thing. Defensively, I also think that the Lions are better on that end of the ball. And I think the X factor, if I'm going to be putting it for this game, is going to come down to Kerry Starks. Can Kerry Starks get back consistently, use that motor, and disrupt Malik Henry? If you can get Malik on the fly, now credit, I've seen, we saw last week, Malik can throw it pretty much at almost a 90 degree across his body and sling it for a touchdown. So anything's given. But if you can disrupt them on a consistent basis, get them a little flustered out of the pocket as, as consistently as possible, mm-hmm. then the sky's the limit for you. That's how I look at it. I think and, that Columbus does enough to do that, though. And honestly, um, for the respect of the game, I know in championships you have to win them. They're not given to you. Mm-hmm. But the city of Columbus, that organization, they need an NAL title. They've been to those title games. It seems like every single year they're there. Um, that where Gibson needs it. The ownership needs it. Um, that city needs it. Um, they just put a caveat on how that organization is run in Columbus. But again, awards, championships are not given. They're earned. Right. So they have to win in Carolina and take care of business either in Columbus or in Albany the following week. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. <laughs> no, I agree. 
Um, also double check in here on a little bit of our firebird, a bit of our firebirds research. Uh, no, they were not a nine seed. They were, they finished eleven and three in nineteen ninety nine. Oh, okay. um, yeah, they were one of the top teams in arena that year. So, um, they they were definitely destined to get that banner, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, but yeah. I remember fans uh, comment below. Uh, I guarantee we have some listeners that know the history of the of arena football. I think if I'm right, there's either a ten or an eight seed or even a nine seed when they went to that twelve team bracket that won it all like they made it to the championship as a wild card team won it all i might be wrong but i think there was a a lower seed that went on the road every single week and won it all hmm. that's hard to do and that's that's hard to do in any playoff bracket that might be my little homework for not only fans out there but for us as we go into next week because i'm actually kind of curious now to find that um to see about that so We'll, we'll add that to the docket. Um, but yeah, a little history on the Firebirds. Uh, those in Albany that follow the Empire and that are probably Firebirds fans already knew that. But if you needed a little bit more, that's that's the shtick. 11 and 3 season capped off with an arena bowl championship over the then Orlando Predators, the AFL Orlando Predators, that is. So back in the time, August 21st, 1999. So that took hmm. place. I know too much freaking arena football stuff. <laughs> <laughs> take take that home. Take that home with you, ladies and gentlemen. And folks, mm-hmm. enjoy the uh, semifinals here coming up this week. Should be plenty of good fo- good action. Um, also, oh, also, yep. If a certain team hosts the championship game, we'll be giving away two tickets to that in into that championship game. Again, we're not. I'm not mentioning the team. If they are hosting the championship game, two tickets. We promised two tickets to an NAL game. We got permission for this team that they host to give two tickets away um, for the championship game. So if that team hosts raffle next week, you'll know who gets the two tickets or the week before the championship game. So, mm-hmm. and sorry, I cut you off. My nah, apologies. that's something you need to get out there. You know, I would definitely want to stick that out there. So, hey. Could be up for a chance to win a pair of playoff tickets. We'll let you or championship tickets. We'll let you know mm-hmm. how that goes, depending on the team. So stay tuned for that, folks. Thanks for tuning on in. As always, again, we'll have plenty more episodes next week. Um, like I said, at least as we go into the two weeks leading up to the championship, we're going to give you one coach per championship team, one key player per championship team, and possibly one interview from an exec on each side of the championship teams rosters depending on if we can get those organized along Mm -hmm. with of course our own rewind and we'll give you our own last final walkthrough of the 2022 season leading into the 2022 nal championship we have plenty of content in the next two weeks coming up so even though we're giving you one show this week we're sorry about that but hey don't worry there's a lot on the horizon that we'll be covering i guarantee you're going to get plenty of stuff and know what you need to know for this year's championship and who's going to walk away with that nice shiny trophy for 2022 for my co-host Jim Mernier. I'm Zach Common saying so long. Thanks for supporting us all through the year. It's been an excellent season so far. We're almost surprised. I mean, it's amazing. We're almost done with it. It feels like yesterday that we started up the 2022 season, but we're about to be on that horizon. So thank you very much. And before we go, as always, remember one thing, ladies and gentlemen, become a Jack out of a box. Because it's playoff time, and we need 
more chaos than ever before. A little little twist on that. Okay. Yeah. Flipping around the script. I see. I see. Wait a minute. Bring the chaos. Bring the insanity. Bring the fun with arena football. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 